Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we are, at the time of recording, just about exactly two weeks away from the draft, potentially even in the same time range. I'm not sure exactly when the draft is set to kick off on Thursday, but yeah, two weeks away. And we've, we've been talking about it for so long. It may as well just get here already because I'm ready. I'm so ready. I'm, I'm, I'm draft prospected out. I just want to know who the Packers are going to have on their team now. Yeah. So Going into that conversation, you know, the, the theme of the offseason for us has to try and keep these more conversational. There's no film to break down. There's not really any games to discuss, any records, clean slate for the NFC North and the rest of the NFL. So today we're just going to talk about the draft prospects that we really like. And will any of them end up on the Packers? Probably not because that never happens. But you can at least find out who we love. So when they're taken by other teams, you can send us a, a consolation tweet. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to bypass, obviously, quarterbacks. Don't want to talk about it. Not worth the energy. Can't handle what the Twitter firestorm will be if a quarterback's even selected, even if it's a seventh rounder. So skipping the quarterbacks. Perry, the Packers have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But the third running back spot is kind of up in the air right now. Are there any running backs in this draft class that you maybe are super high on? Anybody currently on the roster or, you know, anybody really catch your eye as far as like a Malifleur guy? Um, I mean, I obviously like some of the guys at the top are fun. I, I would be surprised if um, if the Packers took a running back that high. Um, I think that that wouldn't be like very fruitful. And I think that's you know, the, the fan base, I mean, would just freak out. Um, I saw that Demetri Felton though, like didn't have a very high RAS score and that was no. why I was like, maybe not. Well, that's what I wanted to, to ask you about then is if we can have a conversation about RAS and if it matters. Cause he, I mean, he had a 0.92. 0.92. Mm-hmm. That's so, did anything happen? And his, pr- no, no, he's just small. Like he's five, eight. He's got really. So he did everything. He ran. He did the cone. Whatever. He did all of the things, and he came out as a point zero point nine two. That it does not bode well for him. Like if you look at the breakdown of the RAS, and if anybody doesn't know what RAS is, the relative athletic score um, created by Math Bomb on Twitter. His real name's Ken, of course. His parents don't name him Math Bomb, but he came up with a metric for evaluating player athleticism. So we talked about this a little bit a couple shows ago before we had Bailey on. Brian Gutekunst, since he became GM, has absolutely developed a type, and the type is freaky athletes. So I think it was something like 88%. A bulk, a, a large bulk of the players that he selected in the draft, specifically in later rounds too, I mean, kind of bookend, his uh, early rounds, first rounders are always freak athletes. And then he'll normally take flyers on guys like Ty Summers, who had a super freaky RAS score. So his metric tends to be above 8.0. So when we talk about a guy like Demetric Felton from UCLA, 
having a 0.92 RAS, even though he would be probably a freaky gadget athlete for the Matt LaFleur offense, you have to wonder if Brian Gutekunst would ever even consider taking a player that doesn't necessarily meet his athletic threshold. So Perry, that's, that's what I'm wondering is at what point do we see him break the mold if at all? Yeah. I mean, I just like, obviously I'm not a GM, so I don't, I don't make the decisions for the Packers, but I just feel like if you relative athletic score is a nice thing to look at, but it's not the end all be all. And I just feel like to choose a player or not based off of that is, it's probably not like, I can't tell if it's coincidence that Brian Gutenkunst does that. It doesn't feel like it because it's so high, but also like you have to also see something you like on tape, right? Like you're not going to just choose a player based off of RAS, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. And I'm so like, but so that's my thing with like, okay, let's say they love what Demetric Felton has on tape. And the only reason why his RAS score maybe is that low is because like you mentioned, he's really small. Then like w- maybe they would, you know, I, I just wonder like, how much weight, I guess, they put on it. Well, and that's the thing is you look at tape, obviously, but there are certain metrics that make sense. So, like, if you're looking at corners, I understand why they'd be interested in, like, a vertical jump. Right. Or if you're looking at an offensive lineman where your entire game is played kind of with the level of push you get in your hands, bench press, sure. A lot of those things make sense. But And the Packers do have really specific metrics. Like, they're three-cone with their offensive lineman is a very specific number that they want their offensive lineman to be able to stay under. I think it's like 6.89 or something. Um, so I understand why some of those metrics make sense when you think about your drop back, but it just, yeah. to a certain point, you, you don't want to miss out on the player but because you're too feels, focused on the numbers. Yeah. That feels more like targeted though and thought out than just like a general over relative, relative athletic score to me as like a way to just like not decide not to draft someone. Right. And I think that Felton's kind of an extreme example because he has such a low RAS, but are there any, any running backs outside of, I mean, I know he's kind of a gadget, more like a running back wide receiver, but anybody that really interests you as far as maybe even a change of pace opposite Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, or are you, because me personally, I'd be fine rolling into the off season with the running backs that are already on the roster. Same. Um, I mean, this is probably just because he was kind of in the news a bit, but I, I followed Chubba Hubbard a little bit mm-hmm. in Oklahoma State, and um, I think he's interesting. Like, he's a lot – he's big for a running back, right? Like, he's six he feet. Is. Yeah. Um, so I think that would add an interesting dynamic. Um, I also really like Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. They're kind of in the same sort of realm, like maybe we're like fourth, fifth round – um, picks. And I think Kylan Hill is a fit for the kind of scheme that Matt LaFleur uses with like the running back by committee, um, kind of, you know, he's not going to be Aaron Jones, um, and, and you don't, wouldn't want him to be, um, but like a nice rotational player. Um, but I, I think that I like who the Packers also have. I mean, it makes sense to fill that room with new, new young talent just because of, the wear and tear that the running back position just naturally has on the body um, and the shelf life. I hate using that term for human beings, but the shelf life of a running back is not that long. Um, So I don't know. We'll see what, what camp brings, but I could see them taking someone like those two guys in, in later rounds. Is there anyone you like? 
Yeah, so I kind of cheat, right? And I have been doing five prospects a week for GSAT TV that I think could potentially be laid around guys. Um, a couple of the cornerbacks that I've already written about, I think are now projected to go higher than they initially were, which is cool. But, you know, the whole point of the article is to maybe spotlight some guys that aren't on everybody's radar. So, you know, this isn't Harris out of Alabama. Like, you know, these are guys that could potentially be day three. So me, the guy that I'm most interested in, I guess. And I think it's because he would be, like you said, a change of pace to what they already have with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is Chris Evans out of Michigan. He's a pretty good size. He's 5'11", 2'11". So he's kind of in between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Has an elite RAS score, 9.84. And one of the things that comes up when you watch him is that he's a willing blocker in pass pro. And I think, you know, when Jamal Williams left, that was kind of like the piece that maybe was missing. A.J. Dillon's still learning it. Aaron Jones obviously has gotten a lot better. Uh, But Chris Evans used to play wide receiver which is cool too. So, you know, he's got really good hands and he could just be kind of a dynamic player for Matt LaFleur. And he did have, um, he ran into a little bit of trouble being academically eligible. So he sat out of, I believe it was the 2019 season. Um, So that always kind of impacts player draft stock when they have to sit out for any type of reason, whether it's injury or academically, but I think he'll slip into maybe even late day three and he'd be a really interesting change of uh, pace back for Matt LaFleur. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like quarterbacks, right? There's just not a ton of running backs. You don't want to get too invested in it because they just took Jordan Love and AJ Dillon. So how about we talk about now a position that the Packers didn't draft in 2020. (laughs) So there's some options there. Yeah. Wide receiver, anybody that you are obsessed with. I I think you have a couple that I I do. Well, first off, like I know that last year got so much hype, right. But the wide receiver class this year is also really hype. Like they are, it's really deep. There's guys that would work for the Packers at all, all three days, um, and a lot of guys that I actually think I love more than I did last season. Um, and I don't know if it's because a lot of them are very like slot type guys and that's like really what the Packers need. Um, but I mean, you look at the first round, right. And like, they're all wonderful. I think Jamar Chase is, if he in some realm fell far enough down a guy that you like trade up for, um, same with Rashad Bateman who might be there at 29 although at this point I'd be surprised but like Rashad Bateman is picture perfect for the Packers as well um Kadarius Tony is probably my wide receiver draft crush if you want to call it that just also I mean tailor-made from Alfleur like I've never I have never watched a player and been like wow I could just you could plop him into the Packers offense right now um he definitely needs some like polishing. I think there's a certain level of like, it's very college, right? Like he's going up against college defenses. Not all of them are great. He can break through tackles pretty easily. Like there's a level of like, I think route polishing that he would need to reach, but I really like him. I know that people are really high on Rondell Moore. Um, you want to talk about, you know, prototypical Packer. I, I can't see the Packers taking someone that small. Um, you know, people were talking about when Randall Cobb was drafted. Randall Cobb's like 5'10 and a half. And, and Rondell Moore is listed at 5'9. So I just don't, don't, really, don't really see that. Same with Elijah Moore. I just don't see it. They're really small. Um, Amari Rogers would be really fun. I love both Auburn wide receivers. I think those are the guys that I would probably pound the table for in like the third or fourth round. 
Um, just they're both elite athletically big bodied, which the Packers love, especially Seth Williams, right? Six two, two twenty four, like that is just the exact body type. Um, I think that they were in an offense at Auburn that just like did them no favors. And um, Malfour's scheme is very like he's going to scheme guys open, right? He's a very wide receiver friendly scheme and then you get Aaron Rodgers involved and I think you can do a lot of things with um with players like both of them so Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams I love in later rounds too there are more but I'm gonna let you talk now (laughs) (laughs) well like and Rondale Moore is so interesting because again he's a player that doesn't necessarily meet the Packers athletic testing thresholds but they met with him and I know that you know they're doing their due diligence and they're gonna meet with a lot of players anyway but you have to think and we'll talk about it when we get to corners when you start investing one or two virtual visits, when you don't have the combine and it's harder at pro days to really get to know players, like those virtual visits are important. And last year we saw that the Packers had visits with or virtual visits with quite a few players that they ended up drafting. So even though he might not necessarily be on their radar, um, I love Anthony Schwartz. And to me, it's, it's the burner speed, I guess. And not that he, would be there to replace MVS, but think about an offense where you have Devonte Adams, Anthony Schwartz, and MVS. Anthony Schwartz was a track star; like he broke the four twos. Yeah, and then you add in, and then you add in both running backs that the Packers have, and it's just like, what do you do? Just yeah, and if you if you take MVS on a deep route and you bring your coverage to take the top away from MBS. Then you have like Anthony Schwartz who runs a four, three on a crosser and you're screwed. Like, <laughs> so, and I just like those kind of gadget players thinking about like MBS and his jet sweeps and the end arounds and all like the quirky, I guess, kind of wrinkles that Matt LaFleur tried to utilize. Having a player like Anthony Schwartz, I think is really interesting because again, he gives you another wrinkle. And if for whatever reason you couldn't retain MBS next season, you've kind of got your burner guy again, but one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft class. And I, he, he kind of fits the mold of a Packers wide receiver, but to me, he's more of a big bodied possession guy, which Alan Lazard EQ doesn't necessarily feel like he would have a spot is Josh Imator Bebe out of Illinois. I literally he's, have him pulled up right now to talk about. Oh, he's one of my favorites. Six, two, two, 18. He has grass is a nine, nine, three. Yeah. he, he would have set a combine record this year. He had a 46.5 vertical and had that been done in Indy, it would have been a record, but because it was done at his pro day, it didn't count. So super okay, freak athlete. Yes. <laughs> that, that's insane. And averages like 16.9 yards um, throughout his college career. Um, in 2019, he ranked third in the big 10 with 19.2 yards per catch. Um, I just really like the way that he plays. And to me, I'm not, Going on record, I'm not saying that he's going to be DK Metcalf, but he feels like the kind of player that's a little bit raw, super, super athletic, really needs to develop his route running. I know that was, you know, the DK Metcalf thing where, like, can he run the route tree? And I think that's what you're wondering about with Josh, too, when he comes out, is can he run the route tree? But who better to learn behind than Devontae Adams? Josh, first name basis. Do you want me to say Imitor Bebe seven times? Because I no, don't. No, I'm just <laughs> you. I just thought it. I love, I love when we do that. Um, relationships. But yeah, he is also one of my favorites. And I know the Packers did also meet with another Auburn wide receiver that you didn't mention yet, Eli Stove, who is a wide receiver and kick returner. So seriously doing their due diligence on the Auburn guys. 
Yeah, I was going to mention special teams also because I think that is so important now. Like, we're not going to have – it doesn't look like Tyler Irvin back. So Packers need to find somebody who can who can do both of those things for special teams and not be 32nd in the league in special teams yet again. <laughs> yeah, and I would run through a wall for Maury Straten, so I really don't feel like it's going to be him that's the issue. I feel like it will be the talent around him and – um the Packers did talk to a kicker. Not sure if they talked to any punters yet. Obviously, Mason Crosby is not going anywhere. That's a conversation for later when we get to special teams. Um, but tight ends, any tight ends that you're interested in? I mean, Kyle Pitts, obviously, the Packers would like sell the farm to get up to draftable range, I think. He's a freak, but I would anyone do crazy, else? Crazy things for Kyle <laughs> Crazy things. Um, Crazy no, things. not really. I mean, my dad is obsessed with Tommy Tremble. It's all he talks about is yep. Tommy Tremble. Um, just would my dad would bang a drum and scream from the top of his lungs how perfect Tommy Tremble is for the Packers offense. Uh, I just don't see the Packers drafting a tight end that high. Right, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's tough. I one of my players for the Cheesehead TV the prospects was Hunter Long. He is a tight end out of Boston College. 6'5". He led all tight ends in college football with 89 targets. Super, super willing blocker. And he can run routes at any alignment, which is really cool. But uh, one of the things I like about him is that Draft Network has his best fit as a 12-heavy scheme, which, hello, Matt LaFleur. You know, we saw the ton of 21 and 12 that he ran last year. But it is, again, it's hard to think about tight end being any type of priority unless, you know, they're not convinced that Jace is the guy or they're not convinced that Mercedes Lewis could get through a full season or will return for his, the second year of his contract. So we know that tight ends take a long time to develop in the NFL. So, you know, maybe they kind of are planning for the future with the tight end selection. But again, it's, it's really hard for me to think that there's any tight end that they'll be taking in this draft class. You we never thought- know. They, <laughs> they like to surprise. So I think there is a position though, that, the Packers should and will a hundred percent draft and probably multiple and probably high, which is anywhere along the offensive line. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And there's, this is probably where I've spent a good chunk of my time. Um, As fun as it is to look at like all the different gadget players, it's to me, you know, and I think that's probably my detriment, right? When I look at the draft is where I've studied the most this year is defensive line, offensive line and corner and the Packers are going to take like running back wide receiver tight end with their first three picks and I'm going to be screwed. But, you know, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot of really good depth at all positions on the offensive line this year. Um, there's some guys I don't think will be there by the time the Packers are selecting in the first round. But uh, I really like Brady Christensen as a developmental prospect out of BYU. He is a tackle Um, He had, per Pro Football Focus, the lowest quarterback pressure allowed by an offensive tackle since 2014, which was 0.8% in 2020. Yeah, Um, He is best suited at right tackle, which obviously we think the Packers are going to be looking at long term. He was a 2020 consensus All-American. I could go on for a long time about offensive linemen. So is there anybody in particular that you are, are high on? I want you to go off on this. Like, this is your, this is your area. <laughs> this um, is the big guys. No, I mean, I actually, I was really high on Jalen Mayfield until his rest score came out. And like, this goes back to the conversation we were just having, which is like, does that deter Goot and Matt LaFleur and the rest of the, the 
front office from drafting a guy like that just because that comes out lower, you know? And so I don't know, but I, I, I always felt like at least from what I've read about him, he'd be a great prospect. I think that, um, I like Walker little, he's mm-hmm. like six, seven, like that's humongous. Um, but he slated it as a left tackle. I don't know if the Packers feel like maybe they could like kick him to right or something. It was like, obviously we just locked up David Bakhtiari. So why would we draft, uh, or of course the Packers would draft actually a, a left tackle of the future, um, in this year. But, um, there's, I mean, there's, it's a pretty deep class. Like there, there's a bunch of guys I think fit the mold, um, I'm also, I keep thinking about the three that the Packers drafted last year and like what that development is going to look like. I think as fans, we have a little bit of a clearer picture on John Runyon Jr., but not the other two. And so like inside the building, that will probably inform their decision of who they take this year. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma State is like the guy, probably the first center off the board. Not sure he makes it to 29. He did have a perfect 10 RAS score. See, I go back and forth between RAS and RAS because Andrew and Kyle both call it different things on pack a day. So I fluctuate with my verbiage. But Do we have to talk about Quinn Mirnez? I feel like we do. He benched like 33 reps today, I think I saw on Twitter. Yes. Uh, And... I mean, I don't know how many people that follow the podcast know that I work at Parkside, but UW-Whitewater is one of the sister schools in the UW-Wisconsin system. So pretty cool that a UW system athlete, not from Madison and from Whitewater, which is obviously a smaller school, um, could have the potential to be a first rounder, if not very, very high early in the second round. Um and I think that's a, that is an interesting conversation, too, that, you know, we're looking at a lot of tackle prospects. There's a ton that I really like. James Hudson out of Cincinnati, a stone Forsyth from Florida. He's 6'8". Um, so you're talking about big guys. He played left tackle and right tackle. Um, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. But at the same time, you know, it's possible that the Packers feel content at tackle for another year with Billy Turner, and they're looking on the interior instead because – you know, we were thinking maybe they take a, a center, maybe Elton Jenkins is your center or Lucas Patrick. And then you've got, you know, John Runyon and an upgrade at right guard. I mean, and we just saw Lane Taylor go to the Texans too. So like even more of a hole there. Yeah. But I mean, I think this is a good year to need developmental prospects. There's a lot of really good offensive linemen and, you know, it's kind of the Packer way to look at guys that play left tackle in college and then kick them inside. And there's a lot of really good tackle prospects that are probably better suited to play guard at the next level. Yeah. Or should we flip the, flip the script? Flip it to the defense. Yes. I've been waiting for this. Yay. Well, and this, (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is, I mean, I, not to say that it's always a need for the Packers, but it kind of feels more predictable, at least lately, that the Packers are going to invest more heavily in the defense. And maybe it's tired to talk about the Packers' number one offense. It's also tired to talk about Aaron Rodgers not having weapons. That's not what this is about. So I tend to, because I really enjoy the defense, study defensive prospects more closely. And with Joe Barry, I think there's an interesting fit now to look at players that maybe would have been like the prototypical Mike Patton player that now you have to shift gears and talk about the kind of players that Joe Barry would really like. So starting with defensive lineman, Perry, are there any big guys on the line that you just would love to see in green and gold? There's two. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to let you talk about your guy, but he's okay. the third. Um, I love Christian Barmore. I've watched so much of him. I watched him run a crazy fast 40 for a 6'5", 3'10 guy. Um, my only issue with Christian Barmore is just like where does he fall that is fit for his value? Um, and it's interesting because you you can read a lot about where – draft analysts view prospects and then you read about where people actually inside NFL organizations view draft prospects and the discussion around him is so vastly different. Um, Whereas I think a lot of actual players and coaches have him higher than other like kind of draft analysts. So it'll be just interesting to me to see on draft day actually where he falls. But if the Packers took him at 29, if the Packers took him in the second round, whatever it may be, I think he would do, do wonderful things on the line next to Kenny Clark. Um, just a big body pocket pusher. Um, just something the Packers haven't had with Kenny in a while. Um, my other guy is also another UCLA player and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but I am going to try Osa. Odeguzua. I think that's fine. I'm so sorry <laughs> if you ever listen to this. Um, I'm notoriously bad with names. But again, like another UCLA defensive lineman just has all of the traits. Even Kenny has kind of, you know, he he likes the tweets here and there about Osa and he'd be really excited to have another another one of his, I guess they never played together. Um, but, you know, 6'2", 280, I think because of his size, he's a little more, he's got a little more movement in there. Um, than Christian Barmore, but just, um, just another really exciting guy. So those are my two. Yeah. And and what's interesting too, like you mentioned with Christian Barmore is like, you can't really tell where he's being valued and he could end up being like a top 20, top 15 selection because we know that there's no depth really in the, at defensive tackle this year. So he could go off the board and then you could have a couple projected to be, middle day two guys sneak into the first round because there could just be a run on the big guys because you want to get probably one of the top five in this class to really make an impact in what's not the strongest class. So Christian Barmore, I keep seeing him linked to the giants, which is weird to me because they have Devin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams. I mean, that would be nasty. Like that front three would be hella stout for one thing. Like (laughs) you won't be able to run on the giants, but they don't need him. Like calm down giants. Let somebody else have him. But Davion Nixon out of Iowa, obviously I have to talk about him. You knew that's where I was going. Um, went to my high school. Not that anybody needs to hear that story again, but really good size, really good speed, great agility. Has a RAS that the Packers would be interested in, 8.4. Um, I think one of the knocks against him is that he was only a one-year starter at Iowa. He did play at JUCO, um, trying to get his academic eligibility. Um, but if you want to see some fun big man athleticism, he had a pick six against Penn State, and he returned at 71 yards. No. 305 pounds, took it 71 yards to the house. Uh, he had 14 tackles for loss, which was first in the Big Ten in 2020. was also a unanimous consensus All-American. Just absolutely love him. Ab- I will buy his jersey the second he gets drafted by the Packers, if that happens. Um, outside of Davion Nixon, Ali McNeil, out of NC state is definitely somebody that the Packers have already had a virtual meeting with. Um, he doesn't turn 21 until May. So you know that that is something that Brian Gutekunst looks for really young. He's pro football focuses third highest graded defender. 
He's best as a run stuffer, um, and he fits kind of as a nose tackle in a three-four scheme. Okay, well, one more. One of my f- okay, I lied. Two more. Uh, Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. He's the biggest guy in this class, right? He's three hundred forty-six pounds. And he is like the true definition of a space eater. So a lot of these young guys coming out need to put on a little bit of muscle if you're going to, or a little bit of weight, if you're going to play them kind of in the middle of your defense. Um, He opted out of the 2020 season, but he's absolutely like a true nose tackle. And all he does is play run contain. Like he's just a space eater. And I think that that would be something that this Joe Barry defense would really benefit from because then you can get Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki outside um, and have Tyler Shelvin as your base. And the, the last guy, the only reason I want to talk about him is because I get shades of Mike Daniels from him when I watch him play. And that's Darius Stills out of West Virginia. And the reason I say shades of Mike Daniels is because he's a little bit undersized for a defensive lineman. He's only 6'1, he's 281. And, you know, Mike Daniels is six foot 290. Um, but he's got really good speed, really good athleticism. And he was also a 2020 consensus All-American. So I think he's a lot of fun. And now I'm going to take some deep breaths and let you talk about uh, some of the edge rushers in this class. Yeah. I mean, I look like I, I've, to be fair to our listeners, like I've looked at three positions in this draft. I've looked at wide receiver a little bit on the defensive line and corner and some safeties. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to like intelligently talk about players that I don't know anything about, but I will say that, I have increasingly over the course of this offseason felt like edge is going to be potentially a position that the Packers actually target earlier than I originally thought. And the reason that I feel that way is a, and if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I pulled this recently (laughs) because a, I feel like, first of all, you can never have enough players at the edge, right? You can never have enough pass rushers. That's a, that's just a position that is always worth a premium pick. Second, I think that when you actually look at the edge room and the outside linebacker room specifically for the Packers, like they didn't extend Zedarius. And that's not to say that they won't, but his cap hit next year is crazy high. Um, They did bring back Preston, but that's likely only for this next season. And then all that's left is Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin and, you know, a couple of other, you know, undrafted guys. And so, I actually think that the depth here isn't as great as it may seem. And I know that some fans might be like, that makes no sense. This is one of the Packers best positions. Like look at who we have, but also like look at 2022 and look at 2023. Um, and, and this becomes more of a position of need than I think people realize. So as much as again, like it may not feel, it may feel like other positions are needier like corner. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised or honestly upset at all if the Packers drafted one of these top edge rushers. And I mean, I think part of it too is the tendencies that we've seen again, and there's certain positions that the Packers revalue and those are offensive line edge corner. I don't know. Like the Packers don't historically draft wide receiver running back or inside linebacker early. Kenny Clark was a little bit of an anomaly along the defensive line. Like it's just, if the Packers are going to be taking a position at a premium or a pick at a premium spot, it's going to be probably an edge rusher, a corner or a tackle. At least that's, that's where I would bet all my money on. So probably not going to happen this year. They're going to take a tight end in the first round, but um, a couple of guys I really like, we've talked about him a little bit before Jason away out of Penn state. He is, 
he's the kind of prospect I guess I see the Packers leaning towards because you don't necessarily have him come in and start day one. And that's perfect because the Packers don't need him to do that. Um, he absolutely needs some time to develop at the NFL level, but he's one of those really, really freak athletes where you just can't teach him how to be any more athletic. Uh, he ran a four, three, seven, at 257 pounds, which is insane. That's faster than some of the corners and the wide receivers in this draft class. Um, And he had an 11 foot broad jump, which was a perfect 10 um, on his RAS board. So he's a lot of fun. Um, And then obviously there's other first rounders. Quiddy Pay will probably be the first edge rusher off the board out of Michigan. Friend of the show, Jacob Westendorf as a Michigan fan, obviously rooting for him to land with the Packers, Uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, and then Oziz Ojolari out of Georgia four names probably to keep in mind for the Packers if they could go edge in the first round. I don't really see any of those guys lasting beyond that, but inside linebacker, again, really tough. You, you just said, you know, there's certain positions that we've invested a lot more into because it doesn't seem like the Packers prioritize certain picks. So do you want to talk about inside linebacker? Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa is Mm -hmm. insane. If you watched him play, he is insane. Like, I have never seen someone fly around like that. He is such an insanely hard hitter. Just, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that. Um, And I think he's versatile enough where he wouldn't necessarily be exactly pigeonholed into just an inside linebacker, right? Like he can blitz too um, and he can rush. So I, I think it actually would be like, it would, it would be less of a surprising high premium pick for the Packers just because of his versatility and his athleticism. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple names on the big board that the Packers have met with virtually Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, another unanimous consensus, all American. I know Packers fans would probably be excited if he came to green Bay, KJ Britt out of Auburn, another player that the Packers have met with virtually. But again, it's just really hard to see an inside linebacker being taken in the first round, especially after the seasons that Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin had. So unless they're really not sold on what they have in those guys, I would expect maybe a late day three pick to kind of solidify the position if they don't know what they have in Oren Burks or Ty Summers. Um, one of the players I looked at for the Chiefs Head TV prospects was Garrett Wallow out of TCU. And I don't know if you've noticed this, I and maybe it's not that abnormal, but I feel like Goody has taken a lot of players out of TCU. Ty Summers, Vernon Scott, Enos Gaines, the safety. Um, so Garrett Wallow out of TCU makes sense for me. Um, he's the safety that converted to linebacker, um, led the Big 12 in solo tackles and total tackles. So, And because he played safety, you can see like the fluidity in his hips. And I think that makes him really interesting kind of in the middle of a defense because he can play in coverage or he can get after the quarterback. And he's also a really sound tackler, which I remember you talking about that with Ross Uglum on Packer Report. Joe Barry, like his entire defense is predicated on the ability to tackle. So I feel like when we start talking now about the defensive backs, which I know you've been waiting for, one of the things that will come up is their ability to tackle. So let's save corners for last because I know that's your bread and butter. No, you want to talk about them first? Yeah, because like who? Yeah. Okay, we'll save safeties for last then. We won't talk about special teams because who cares? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, right. I don't know where to even start with corners. Like, this is the only, this is the only position that I've spent like a, a significant length of time researching. Um, not just because it's my favorite position, but also because it's just such a need, and I am on the train of 
the Packers are going to take two um, because I think that they'll probably take zero because that's always <laughs> what happens. Um, but I mean, I'm going to skip the top three just because like they're not going to fall to the Packers. Like I hate that trope, but they're just not. Um, if Caleb Farley does, it's probably because his medicals aren't good enough. Um, and if, you know, 28 other teams pass on Caleb Farley, why would the Packers take him? You know what I mean? So um, my top guys, as everybody knows, are Greg Newsom, Elijah Molden, Efedo Melifonwu, and Paul, we both love Paul Sinadibo. Um I would do crazy things to have Greg Newsom on the Packers. I think you get him with Jair and Savage and Amos, and you have like just a nasty secondary all around. He's the kind of guy who you could also plug into the slot position immediately and then maybe have him compete for the boundary position with Kevin King. Although I think that Greg Newsom would probably beat out Kevin King in like a freaking heartbeat. Um, <laughs> he's 6'1, 190, 951 RAS. Just the, all the measurables are there for Goot. There's no concerns whatsoever with the way that he tested. Um, he really reminds me of Jair when he plays, like he's bigger. So he's not as like, I mean, Jair's just a freak athlete. Like no one's actually going to be like him, but he's sticky. He's going to press you. You could tell when you're watching quarterbacks didn't want to throw his way because of the way he defends the ball, just like Jair, right? Like has the swag, has the route awareness, has the high IQ. Um, I talked this about this on pack a day and I think I made this term up, but like everyone should start using it is, um, he has what I am calling proactive athleticism, which is, and, and I need to explain what I mean by that, because it's just like, when you watch certain players, you can tell that they have like full body control when they're playing. And there's like a level of like click and close and speed and fluidity that cornerbacks need to have. And you can have all of those traits, but potentially not be able to control them properly. But Greg Newsom can control all of those things properly. Um, and I just, yeah, I, he's just so complete an immediate starter. Um, I I think if you want to have anything against him, like maybe some more awareness in the run game, but like, that's it. I mean, he allowed a zero passer rating on third and fourth down in 2020, um, you could pay, maybe bring up his injury history, but they're, they were all really minor and I think can be overcome with training workout regimen, bulking up a little bit. Like they weren't, it's, it's not Caleb Farley, right? Like with the back issues. Um, if Melifanu is another one, I think Packers are really high on. I really liked when I watched him, I think the only reason he's not higher on people is on people's board is because he went to Syracuse. It's like the only reason, right? Like 6'2", 212, 957, size, wingspan, catch radius, if you will, athleticism, like everything is there. Like maybe not as like fine-tuned or polished as Greg Newsom is, but he's had consistent improvement across all three seasons that he played in college. Um, again, like a body control for the, a guy his size is just, I think, a really – dangerous combination. Um, I like the way he can contest at the catch point and hit and hard. If you want to talk about someone else who can improve in the run game, it's probably him. But again, like we're not going to ask Packers aren't going to ask their corners to do that much there um, at the beginning. So, and if there's a running back who's made it into the secondary, that means everyone else ahead of them didn't do their jobs either. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to let you go because I can keep going. But I think for my outside 
my outside corners, my boundary guys, those are my top two. Yeah, so this is interesting, too, because the Packers, obviously, they had a virtual meeting with Greg Newsom, another player that they've had multiple interviews with now is Asante Samuel Jr., Florida State, super polarizing. Um, he's one of those prospects on Twitter that you see a lot of people arguing his athletic metrics, and then you see people wanting to throw away those metrics. So I'm sure the Packers are somewhere in the middle. Obviously, they've had two meetings with him. They know what his measurements are. They know what his numbers say. Um, only 5'10", 180 pounds. I know that kind of one of the red flags, I guess, maybe against him would be if you have Jair, who's also 5'10", do you really want two boundary corners that are 5'10"? Totally understand that logic. Maybe you kick him into nickel and you draft a guy like Paulson Adebo, who we're going to talk about in just a hot second, uh, to be your other boundary corner. But, I mean, I he played man in college. He fits as an undersized boundary corner if you wanted to kick him out there. And Honestly, when I watch him, one of my favorite things about him is that he's a good tackler for being his size. He gets after it. He's nasty. And I I know the comps to Jair Alexander because of their size. I don't necessarily see that. Um, I think Jair's much more athletic and fluid in his motions. But Asante Samuel Jr. is a really fun prospect. Would I reach at 29? No. Uh, but if he was there in the second round, would I be highly intrigued? Absolutely, I would be. Um, Paulson Adebo. We talked about this a little bit pre-show. He seems to be a name that everybody loves. Andy Herman, my Packaday co-hosts for the draft season, Kyle Fellows and Andrew Mertig. Um, I think it was Kyle. Somebody called us the the Adebo Hive, so I'm going to adopt that, and we're all going to get jerseys if he uh, comes to the Packers. But he's another big-bodied guy, 6'1", almost 200 pounds, elite RAS score of 9.56. Didn't play his senior year. Don't really think he needed to. Um, he's one of those guys that played wide receiver and defensive back in high school, which I always like those guys because, you know, they have uh, reliable hands. Um, and he led the Pac-12 in interceptions in 2019 with four. So I think he's one of those players that'll go, I guess maybe not at this point. I was going to say earlier than he was projected to, but I think he's kind of moving into the second round conversation. So that's kind of where I see him. Maybe if the Packers go tackle in the first round, I could see him being there in the second. And then I'll let you talk about your inside guys in just a second. But another name I really like is Robert Rochelle out of central Arkansas. Thank I think you. you've talked. Yeah. He's, he's just handsy. He's really physical. And sometimes I think it's almost like to his detriment because that's when you get penalties. Uh, but 10 interceptions in college, another really elite RAS score could play boundary or at nickel, but yeah, I just if you're looking for maybe a smaller school guy, Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas, absolutely makes sense as a day three guy to me for the Packers defense. Yeah, there are so there are corners at every level. I mean, we absolutely didn't hit like Trill Williams, who we both really like. Oh, I was um, saving him for safeties, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> there are there, and then so this kind of we can probably lump in the nickel corners and the safety group together because at this point in the league, they're, they're kind of blending together. Um, and there's a lot of guys who can kind of be moved around in the middle of the defense, but I mean, okay, we're going to talk about Elijah Molden really quickly. And if you listen to anything that I do, this is going to sound so repetitive, but he's like also one of my favorite players in this draft. But I think that there's a lot of people who also think he could be, um, a fit at safety. And I get, I get why, um, because of his coverage abilities just in the middle of the field in general. He's not going to be a corner that you draft, put him in the slot with the intention of kicking him outside. That's not what's going to be good for his skill set. Like, he's meant to be a nickel. 
And I think this fits because Joe Barry has really highly touted the nickel position. And I think it's also become just way more important in the NFL um, than, than it used to be. Um, my, my take with Elijah Molden, just besides all of his athletic traits, it's the way he plays and his football IQ. Um, you just watch him and you're like, this guy knows what's happening on the field at all times. You can just see it in his eyes. You can see it in his, in, in his instincts um, and his awareness level. Like, I think that's, that's what jumped out to me. Um, the ball skills and the ball hawking, it's not just right place, right time. It's he's being aggressive and reading wide receivers routes. And I just think that that's a level of intelligence that you don't normally get or don't always get, I should say from a college player. Like you plop him in to the Packers defense with the current sort of base four in the secondary and you've elevated yourself immediately. Um, and I think that goes to for, you know, a guy like Trill Williams, who I think some people think is a safety, some people think is a corner. Um, you talk about uh, someone who's, I guess, listed as a safety for the draft, Trevin Mooring, who a lot of, I always mispronounce his name, so I'm sorry, like a similar, very similar vibe with him where yes he's listed as a free safety but I he could he has the coverage ability to play in that nickel role that kind of hybrid nickel role in the middle of the defense um and again would be someone that you could plop into the Packers secondary and you just get an immediate elevation and I think the Packers have done themselves a, some nice favors with the way that they've set up their defense um you have Jair, who's just your immediate cornerback one. And then you have two safeties in Savage and Amos who are really, really versatile. And you can, you know, move Savage into that star role, which is what everyone is talking about now for him, if someone else can come in at safety and take over in that way. And I think that Trevin Morin can do that. You know, you have Amos who you can push up into the box and move somebody back. It's just there's a lot of versatility there, which gives the Packers a lot of room to draft someone. Um who they can move around. Yeah. And I mean, I think safety could end up being a position that's taken higher than maybe we're expecting because obviously Amos and Savage were one of the best tandems in the NFL, uh, but there's not a lot of depth there, right? They did bring back Will Redmond. Vernon Scott is really unproven. They moved on from Raven green. So I think there's a lot of, I guess, flexibility in how the Packers want to fill out the rest of their safety room. Trill Williams, the reason that I love him so much is because he's played everywhere. Like he played boundary corner, he played slot, and he also played at safety in college. Um, and what's interesting to me about him too is his RAS score. As a corner, he doesn't meet the Packers thresholds. He has a 7.7, but as a safety, he has an 8.36. Um, he's really young. The Packers have met with him virtually, just turned 21 a couple months ago. Um, and the thing I like about him so much, I guess more than anything else, is his big play ability. Every season, he's had some type of big play. He returned a punt for a touchdown as a freshman. He had three forced fumbles as a sophomore, returned one of those for a touchdown. He had four interceptions and one returned 90 yards for a touchdown his junior year. And he almost, almost, almost had a pick six against Trevor Lawrence. Um, so he's just a really aggressive physical, willing to put his body on the line kind of tackler. And I think that he could play a lot of different roles for the Packers. But I guess kind of to wrap this up, there's a couple safeties that I really like that I think could go late day two, early day three. But is there anybody, I know you mentioned Trayvon already, anybody else in that kind of can play multiple roles or are you more focused on the corners? I mean, not maybe multiple roles, but the only other safety that I've 
has jumped out to me that I like is Joshua Bledsoe um, out of Missouri. Um, he just also feel, feels like a pretty prototypical Packer defensive back, like really versatile hybrid defender um, who, again, is listed as a safety but can still be that big nickel um, and kind of play. You know, we lost – the Packers lost that sort of Raven Green type, and I feel like maybe that was a Petten thing, but it also feels like Joe Barry really touts that fifth defensive back, whether that's an, a uh, – cornerback or a safety. Um, and I think Joshua Bledsoe has that like enough versatility and athleticism to be moved around. Yeah. We'll whip through this because I know we're running long, even though we say we're going to keep these short in the off season. Uh, Caden Stearns out of Texas is probably my favorite, uh, later round prospect. He has an elite RAS, of course, 9.57. He's 5'11", 202, really good size to play safety. Started 28 of 29 games with Texas. 173 total tackles, two sacks, five interceptions. Um, the one downside, I think, to his game, which can be common, is just over-pursuit of the football. He's so aggressive in his pursuit to get to the ball carrier that sometimes he can miss tackles, taking the wrong angle, which I know was kind of a knock against Arnold Savage when he first came out. Um, and then the last player that really interests me is Jacoby Stevens, kind of for the same reasons that you mentioned, uh, Bledsoe, where that he's got that linebacker hybrid out of LSU. He he played at almost 230 pounds in college, which is really big for a safety. Um, he played wide receiver and safety at his first year at LSU, and then he switched to defense full-time as a sophomore. So we talked about this earlier in the show. I love defensive backs that can play wide receiver because, you know, they have reliable hands. But yeah, Perry, this was a lot. This was a lot to talk about. This show ran a little bit long, but I think the thing that we can agree on now is that we can't wait for the draft to actually get here. Um, All the work we put in probably won't matter. Probably none of the players we talked about will go to the Packers, but if they do, you can bet we're going to brag about it. Oh yeah. Always. (laughs) I mean, I guess, I guess there's nothing to brag about. It just means that we did our homework, but you know, I did my homework. You did your homework. That's something that we can hang our hats on. So Perry, if the people want to find your work on social media, if they, if they live under a rock and, you know, just got a cell phone, how can they do that? Just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein and follow the podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter. Um, we have a really, really, really exciting guest next week. Um, probably the most exciting guest that we've ever had. Um, not a knock to anyone else we've had on just a different type of guest, I guess. Um, and so you'll want to look out for those announcements. Yeah, really fun shows coming up. Obviously, a super secret special guest next week, a mock draft the couple days leading up to the draft. And then our goal is to have special guests for the entire months of May. So lots of really fun stuff coming for the podcast. You can find me on social media at Maggie J. Loney. Um, You can also check out on the first Tuesday of May. We'll have our live show over at the Cheesehead TV socials. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack.